Today we're continuing to go through the Ten Commandments, and there's a shift in our focus now. Whereas the first few commandments deal with our life with God, what it's supposed to look like, and why it's supposed to look like that, most of the commandments deal with how our love for God shows up in our relationships with our neighbors. And so in order to talk about that well, we need to define a very important word. Neighbor. Jesus was once asked the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus responded by saying this. He said, a Jewish man was once going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, that was currency back then, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. It's the end of the story. And then Jesus asked the man, which of those three the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the man replied, the one who had mercy on him. And he identified something very important there. Neighbors are not made by necessarily proximity or by nationality or by position. We look at our neighbors and identify the people who need mercy, who need our help. Once he said that, Jesus said, you go and do likewise. In commandments four through 10, we look at how we do that, how we do likewise, helping our neighbors in our own lives. Now, two things I'd like you to remember as we get into this next commandment. Firstly, remember that there are two different ways of numbering the commandments that you can find out there in the world. We're using the way that the commandments are numbered in a book called The Small Catechism, written by a man named Martin Luther, because the book summarizes the commandments quite well and their meanings quite well. And secondly, something else I'd like you to remember here. For each of these commandments, as we start with the fourth commandment, we're going to state the general principle of the commandment, and then we're going to pull in other scriptures to make specific applications to that general principle. And today, for the fourth commandment, the general principle we are going to look at is the principle of authority. The individuals or institutions that have the God-given right to make decisions that impact our lives, authority. And the fourth commandment mentions an authority that most of us are very familiar with. The fourth commandment says this, it says, honor your father and mother that it may go well for you. That's the fourth commandment. As we get into the fourth commandment, I'd uh, like you to do something for me. I'm going to give you a job description. The place is looking for, um, for a nice position for someone to do some work, and they put out a job description, and they're looking for applicants. I'm going to read you the job description, and I want you to tell me if you can guess what the position is. I can tell you what the position is up front. You have to guess what it is based on the description I give you. So here's the description. So this place is looking for long-term team players in a who are going to be working in a challenging, permanent uh, work environment 
which will often be very chaotic. You must be willing to work at all hours, including nights, weekends, and frequent 24-hour shifts. You must be willing to be occasionally hated, yelled at, and called bad names if you make wise but unpopular decisions. You must be able to go 0 to 60 miles an hour in 3 seconds flat in case you hear a scream coming from the backyard. You must be able to face and conquer great challenges, such as fixing small toys and unplugging toilets and getting zippers unstuck. You must be able to handle, understand, and correct all levels of homework. You must always hope for the best, but be prepared for the worst, while being criticized for not being fair by the people whose laundry you do, clothes you, clothes you buy, and dishes you wash. Regular responsibilities include dinner prep, floor maintenance, and janitorial work with no one helping, even though there will often be multiple helpers available in the next room watching television or looking on their phones. There will be no possibility at all for a promotion. Your job is to remain in the same position for many years without complaining, without pay while constantly retraining yourself and updating your skills with sometimes no one ever saying thanks. And the wages that you will get for this? None. In fact, you will have to pay out of pocket just to stay in this job, and you will often have to give up whatever you have so that the people underneath you can have a new toy that they'll probably throw away within three weeks. What is the job? I bet you know. It's being a parent. <laughs> God gives parents authority over their children to make decisions that benefit them and care for them. We have all benefited from this God-given authority. When you were a baby, you were helpless in every way, with no ability at all to keep yourself alive. And yet here you are. Someone did that. Someone took their responsibility of having that authority very, very seriously. Your parents care for you physically. They take care of your physical needs. And they also do something else. God gave parents a very special responsibility that we find in Ephesians chapter 6. He's talking to fathers, but you can apply it to all parents, where he says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Parents have a dual responsibility when it comes to their children. Provide for their physical needs and also provide for their spiritual needs. That's their responsibility to their children and a child's responsibility to their parents. Back up just a couple of verses in Ephesians where it says this, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he quotes the fourth commandment, Honor your father and your mother. God gives parents or legal guardians authority over their children. And they're not the only ones who have authority over our lives. In Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul mentions another authority, and it says this, it states this general principle. It says, The authorities that exist have been established by God. And you know what authorities he's talking about in particular in that section? He's not talking about parents. He's talking about the government. He says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God, what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So God wants us to take our responsibility to the authorities very, very seriously. The Apostle Peter also mentions government as a God-established authority. In chapter 2 of his first, first letter, he says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Show proper respects to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. Our responsibility to the government, the authority established by God, is to be subject to them. To willingly follow their rules, obey the laws, make their 
already difficult job easier by being good citizens. And that, of course, also makes your life easier. The Apostle Paul talks about that if you flip back to Romans chapter 13, where he says, The rulers over us, they don't hold any terror for those who do right, but only for those who do wrong. If you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority, then do what is right, and you will be commended or rewarded. For the one in authority is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, then be afraid, for rulers don't bear the sword for no reason, the Apostle Paul says. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience, just because this is what God tells us to do. And so we serve and we honor God when we willingly submit ourselves to our government officials, to our parents, or those who had a role in raising us, and then also in one more category. There's a third category of of authority figures that God has placed into our lives. In Hebrews chapter 13, the writer to the Hebrews says this very simply, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Parents, of course, are supposed to do that for their children. But there's another category of authority that God has created that is responsible for speaking the word of God to us. Those are leaders within the church. God wanted someone in this world who would be responsible for caring about your faith, for supporting the work of your parents in doing that. He does give that responsibility to parents, but also going all the way back into the Old Testament, he established offices and positions that are designed for one reason, to benefit your faith. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes, Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers, and you go back to the Old Testament, it was the priests and the prophets, to equip his people for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God created spiritual authorities because he wants us to mature in our faith. So you can summarize the three authorities that God has established this way. So God is caring for our entire lives with these three authorities. He established religious leaders to care about our spiritual lives. He established the government to care for our physical lives. He established parents to care for our physical and spiritual lives. Those are their responsibilities to us. And our responsibility to them? Honor them. Show them respect. Willingly follow the rules they establish. (laughs) you might say. Well, what if I don't want to follow their rules, you might ask? Do I still have to? The answer is, it depends on why you don't want to. For example, if an authority figure is telling you to do something God forbids, or is forbidding you to do something God commands, then you have the right, the God-given right, to not follow their rules. We see that in Acts chapter 5 where some of the disciples were ordered to stop preaching about Jesus, stop sharing the Gospels. And they stood in front of those authority figures, knowing that there might be a a punishment that was going to come if if they disobeyed the government. And they said very simply, we must obey God rather than human beings. And when you have to make that choice, when God clearly says one thing and your authority figures are telling you a different thing, you have the God given right to disobey the authority even if that authority figure has been established by God. But what if you don't, like, 
What if you just don't agree with their decisions or their rules or their laws? There's, there's nothing sinful about them. You just don't think that what they're saying is wise or beneficial. You just, you just don't agree with it. Then do you have the right to not do what they're telling you? You know, like, let's say you are a 14-year-old and your parents won't let you get a cell phone until you are 15. I don't know if there are any parents who wait until their kids are 15. But let's just say that's the rule. And all of your friends, your other 14-year-old friends, they have cell phones and you're the only one who doesn't and you want to be able to communicate with them and you can you think it would be a really wise move so that you could even communicate with your parents, but your parents were laid down the law and they said, nope, not until you're, not until you're 15. Or what if you're a new driver and you think the, uh, the speed limit should be 85 instead of 25? <laughs> you know, you can make your case. This is what you can do. You can make your case. You can work within the laws to change the rule. When it comes to government authorities, you can work to have other leaders elected that will make different, different decisions. But finally, if they make the decision, and if you do something different than the decision that they've made, or you dishonor them by pouting or complaining or telling everyone how unfair they are, then you've broken this commandment and you've sinned against God. Well, what if, what if you don't trust your government? What if you don't trust your parents? What if you don't trust your church leaders? These can be hard situations and they come up because every human authority figure is a sinful authority figure. And sometimes their sin is going to show up and sometimes their sin is going to break trust. And so these can be very hard situations. And so you want to pray for a lot of wisdom in those situations. You want to immerse yourself in scripture. And then you also want to remember that when Paul and Peter tell us to submit ourselves to the governing authorities, remember that the authorities that they're thinking of killed Jesus, had already killed Jesus. And they were in the process of killing other Christians who were following Jesus. And yet they still tell us to submit to the governing authorities, to respect them, to honor them. Remember also that Jesus himself submitted to his governing authorities, certainly to his parents as well, and his church leaders. He paid taxes, he followed the rules, and he did all of that knowing that his family would eventually turn on him, or at least not be there for him in moments when he needed him, and his government would eventually kill him. You know, Paul and Peter and Jesus, they, they weren't careless with their lives. They weren't flippant with what was going on in their lives. They just remembered, it seems, that above every human authority is the God who gave them that authority to care for you. And even though every human authority is sinful and less than perfect, God will still use them to accomplish his will. The worst they can do cannot stop God from caring for you in the best ways. God used the improperly motivated authorities of Jesus' day to put him on a cross and save you and forgive you and love you. God made sure that still happened. And that's not to say that following human authority is always easy. It's just to say that there's a higher authority whose love and power you can always trust to make sure that sin, anyone else's, or even your own, doesn't get final say on your life. God's love for you in Christ Jesus does. The fourth commandment again, honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you, 
And Martin Luther, in his small catechism, he summarized it this way. What does this mean? What does the fourth commandment mean? He said, we should fear and love God that we do not dishonor or anger our parents and others in authority, but honor, serve, and obey them and give them love and respect.